Welcome to the final episode of the Summer Series Shutdown. You're joined by your usual co-host, the extraordinary and sensational smooth operator, AMG Dent. And unfortunately, I haven't got my colleague, uh, F1 Black, just yet, but you should be joining us soon. But either way, you can tell by the sheer excitement in my voice that we've got a very tremendous guest to wrap up the sensational run of episodes we've been recording during and uh, like slightly after the F1 Summer Break as well. And wow, it's really amazing honor to have this guest because they've single-handedly found a way to connect new generations of fans with Formula One as a sport. The platform that they've created reaches about 12 million motorsport enthusiasts a month. So joining us today, I'm very, very honored to say we have the very legendary number one F1 presenter in the world. Got to get that in there too. Matt Gallagher. Matt, how's it going? Wow, I mean, what an introduction. Uh, I wouldn't have probably said any of that about myself, but I appreciate you saying it. Um, yeah, my uh, my ego has been inflated, so, so thank you, and uh, thank, thanks for having me on. Oh, no worries at all, man. No worries at all. Like, as soon as Georgina told me that, you know, you're going to star on our show, at some point, I was extremely excited because, you know, not having a fanboy moment here, but I remember the X Matty G series on YouTube and, you know, just being in like secondary school and watching your videos on YouTube and your earlier stage of your career. So, you know, to actually have you here. It's like, wow, I think I've come full circle, you know, in terms of like, you know, my experience of F1 and this content creator kind of world as well. So firstly of all, Matt, like um, I could ask, like, how was your summer break? Did you get up to much uh, whilst F1 was away? And what were your initial uh, thoughts of the first race back in Spa? Uh, well, firstly, yeah, my uh, summer break, uh, as much as some people think I just go away and or, you know, people just disappear from the Formula One world, obviously with WTF1, we... We continued to to churn out content, and um, yeah, it was a bit sparse for news after um, after the whole Oscar Piastri drama and, and things like that. But um, yeah, overall, you know, just getting ready for the second half of the season. It's a shame that the championship is is so far out of reach for anybody now. Um, I think Verstappen's very much got that wrapped up. But uh, Spa, yeah, I mean, obviously, as a as a Ferrari fan, as a Leclerc fan, it was even more pain. I wasn't really <laughs> expecting uh, to, you know, after having three weeks to kind of recover and you know, get over hungry, um, for them to then turn up and be nowhere near Red Bull and, of course, have a little blunder at the end as well. It just felt like, ah, F1's back and I love it. I don't, it's just it's still quite painful, though. I could imagine and you know it's kind of touching that as well Matt you know um, for those who don't know but should know like you're a huge Charles Leclerc stan which I can appreciate as well because he's an amazing driver super talented and I think he's the kind of typical Ferrari superstar that you think of when you think of the brand and Ferrari's heritage in Formula One but man it had to be such an annoying thing for you you know to kind of have the engine penalties at the, the beginning of the week which we found out about then there was that peculiar mistake in qualifying where they sent him out on fresh tires although ideally he would have just used some scrubs as he's trying to give his teammate Carlos Sainz uh, a nice toe through a rouge or radion actually as, uh, as I know Tommy would say and um, you know on top of that as well very unlucky during the race as well during that safety car Max pulls off his terrifiers are like it's banana peel in a Mario Kart, goes into side, uh, Charles Leclerc's side put, and from there, it just seemed like it was going to be a weekend of damage limitations. And on that kind of topic as well, Matt, just what have your kind of comments been on, on just Ferrari this season? And it, it must be so frustrating, you know, to see them with such a beautiful car that actually has performance too, 
but then through sometimes either strategy or, or sometimes reliability or even through driver error sometimes it doesn't always come together on the day it's been a struggle to watch for sure mm. um because there's been an opportunity here i'd say to at least look at spa and go ah oh, well you know red bull were quicker on the day fair enough to and fro in but with all of the points that they've lost this year you know they they have to be able to look back and go what a missed opportunity that was now who knows what's going to happen in the next uh, few races and maybe red bull will run away with it and 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 ferrari uh won't have won the championship anyway but the fact that they are looking in their mirrors at mercedes rather than in front of them uh with red bull is is uh it's just so painful to to watch because they we did a video on wtf1 not that long ago during the summer break in fact which was uh kind of totting up you know hypothetically how many points has ferrari lost and you know this wasn't even to do with the swing of the points this was just pure points that leclerc has lost if you then take into a fact that you know into the account that verstappen that would have finished p2 finished p1 that's another uh seven point swing or maybe eight if it's fastest lap as well uh, and just from the pure points alone of like 25 points lost for a victory you know leclerc's lost 100 well that was before spa uh lost 125 uh obviously a lot of that through reliability some of it through strategy blunders um you know it's it's uh it's going to be a, a real struggle to review the whole season when verstappen has won the title with five races to go which uh it seems very likely at this at this rate i agree man and you know it's been an eye-opening one for sure in a sense because we thought as well with the new kind of like technical directives that also the fia came forward with like going back to spa we thought that things might be a bit more open but it actually seemed to be that mercedes and ferrari were quite close to each other on uh, this kind of pace and red bull for example it seemed to just find that extra actual advantage and i could almost envision like christian horner and helmut marco with some very smug looks on their faces as they watched opposition and max drift around the final corner but you know we won't uh well reminisce too much on the sad parts matt because we we do like happy mccallica and uh to be fair like uh what we want to do with this episode as well as like touching in on some key flashpoints of the season we want to use this opportunity to find out more about you you know x my g matt gallagher literally the voice of wtf1 so we've got a blend of interactive questions where um you know you have to give selective answers for and this mod open questions as well so let's start with the first one whilst we're at it the kind of key question we always start off with matt is we love to ask the guests what were their first experiences getting into watching f1 and you know what were your aspirations growing up because you know like you are such an integral part of just like i would say sports social media platforms i know you might underplay it and be quite bashful like lando norris but <laughs> i don't think it could be un like denied you know like you guys at wtf1 you katie tommy the whole crew you guys have done something really remarkable and given almost like the new generation the next upcoming kind of like uh, viewers something to be part of and i think i've seen like a really interesting shift from people picking up the magazine and autosport and stuff like this kind of to tuning in and watching podcasts or all the great and awesome ideas you guys come up with on the podcast and, and platform too so yeah just what were your initial first f1 experiences and what are your aspirations growing up as well did you always want to get into like being a commentator or was this something that you fell into well firstly thank you uh it's it's weird to hear that sort of stuff said out loud and you know we just 
think we're you know me tommy katie just these people making some silly content online and uh, you sometimes don't you don't with how busy it can get it's it's quite easy to just keep chugging along and not really take a step back and see what see what you're doing so so thank you for that but um yeah also well where do where do i begin um well i never in a million years thought that i would be anywhere near the world of formula one not at all i loved formula one ever since i was about three years old my dad plonked me in front of the television uh, he loved Formula One and he wanted me to be in, into it, clearly. Uh, and, you know, his, uh, his, <laughs> his just putting me in front of that, uh, that, those races clearly uh, in, captured my attention as a, as a young kid. And, you know, I, I, I fell in love with watching the sport and also you know, Michael Schumacher was my idol, perhaps because I was a glory hunter at that age. But either or, <laughs> loved seeing him winning. Uh, and uh, he was, yeah, very much my, my sporting idol uh, growing up. Um, my aspirations, gosh, I mean, I thought I was going to be a teacher, to be honest with you. Like, it's something wow. completely different. Um, when I was growing up at school, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm quite, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I wasn't even that great at school. It was just like one of those things you kind of fall in and go, yeah, you could become a teacher. So that was sort of what I started to think would be, would be good for me. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's kind of just evolved. I didn't go to university because um at that point i'd sort of realized that maybe being a teacher wasn't the way to go and sort of just was doing this as you've mentioned ex matty g my my old channel and just being a stupid kid on there shouting at games but it was always ever going to be a hobby on the flip on the other side of that you know i was full-time working in schools but not as a teacher but um for a company that was called connections which was essentially helping uh, young people in schools and also uh, people find employment so I essentially was a kind of counsellor I suppose uh, in schools and used to take them to you know trips and things like that to try and basically help them uh, on their way through school and, and hopefully get uh, some sort of more um, ambitious career for them and and whatnot so it was a very rewarding job um, but I always obviously had my passions for Formula One and yeah like one day just tommy sent me a message on on twitter <laughs> uh which was completely and utterly baffling that he had even sent me a message because at that point you know i'm just some stupid kid shouting at games on on the internet and wtf1 even back then was you know wow okay wtf1 are talking to me that's that's pretty damn cool so uh, any normal person may have may have you know given it a few minutes or a few hours to play a call to replying to tom's dm but i replied within about 30 seconds uh because he <laughs> wanted to share with me that there was this project that was going on with wtf1 they wanted to launch a youtube channel etc etc uh yeah and so the rest is history so i kind of got into to how i got into wtf1 but my, my main ambition yeah commentary was always something i really enjoyed you know when i was making videos but never in a million years did i think i'd do F1 esports, for example, or F1 TV, you know, those things are just pipe dreams that I never thought was possible because I just was just an average Joe that loves F1, really. That's so interesting, man. And you know, I think again, this like it's just a testament to this how amazing you are as a person, your charisma, your energy, and like you mentioned as well. I mean, we'll touch on it probably a bit later on in the show as well, but just those kind of um, like 
contents that you make on the X My G program, for example, when you're doing the last of first challenges or you're doing like career modes. And like, I remember back then, like, even well, now, not to kind of like give them too much of a dig, but the Codemasters games maybe had a couple of bu- bugs or glitches. And just your commentary over some of those races is just like stuff of the gods, honestly. It's just really. <laughs> funny and entertaining and engaging stuff as well so it's intriguing to know that it wasn't always something that you had lined up on the cards but again just through your hard work you being genuine you know like even somebody like tommy bellingham you know that could see your talent and see a kind of vision of how you'd fit in to the wtf1 platform as well and like like you said the rest is history and it's like again like those are not numbers to like shy away from like 12 million enthusiasts a month is is crazy like that is actually a complete new landmark uh, yeah it's when you look at the numbers and of course we have targets and things that we want to be achieving but the thing I love the most is when I actually go to events and meet the people that watch what we do or consume what we do in whatever platform, um, because that's when it's a sort of a, a reality check for me. We go, oh, wow, you know, you, I am actually making a difference because that's kind of what I wanted to do when I worked in schools is that I enjoyed seeing that development from you know, a kid in school that maybe after a few chats with me would then have a bit more ambition or a bit more about them that they wanted to to succeed and it's it's kind of similar in a weird way to what i'm doing now where people have messaged me or spoken to me at races and gone you know matt your you know your stupid internet's best reactions got me through some really tough times and stuff like that and you don't realize that when you're doing it you're just trying to obviously entertain and keep it as you know as fun as possible but you don't actually realize when you actually strip back the layers until you speak to these people um, at events and and so that's what i i really really love doing and i'd love to do more of to be honest um but yeah it's it's mad to see the growth of the sport it's mad to see the growth of of wtf1 um we love to be this sort of quite inclusive community where we we don't get we don't take things too seriously i'm a i'm a leclerc fanboy verstappen's uh sorry uh, tommy's a a verstappen fanboy but we aren't traditional media and that's what a lot of people sometimes fail to process in their head they're like oh you're biased was like yes i'm quite clearly biased towards leclerc i try and be objective when i talk about races and stuff but everyone has natural bias if you're saying you don't you're not human you're a robot so it's 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 kind of making people understand that at times but a lot of people get it that's why thankfully we have so many people following us and and enjoying the journey that we're on um, and I can't ever be more thankful because without them, I would be doing something very, very normal and not fulfilling my dreams and also bringing people along with me. You know, that's that's the beautiful part of YouTube in particular is being able to document me just losing my mind over meeting a driver or having an amazing opportunity. And to think that that's even possible for someone like me is is uh, is crazy. Oh, it's super inspirational, Matt. And like you mentioned as well, just the journey you kind of went on as well. And just the kind of like natural kind of chemistry you had with Tommy and obviously now Katie's more kind of recurring on, on a lot of the episode stuff 
and stuff like that too it's amazing and like you said too having that community and being able to build something which everybody can kind of relate to or everybody can kind of take a piece from it too i think is incredible so again we'll, we'll probably discuss that in a bit more detail a bit later on but what i'll do now i'll segue into one of our first interactive questions so matt for some of these questions you have to pick a driver and bear in mind if you pick this driver you then can't use them again in any of the other interactive questions so oh god I know, right? Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That was the aim. So, uh, yeah, so you have to kind of pick a bit strategically, but I'll go with the first one. So I'm going to set the scene. Imagine you have to basically go into town because you're going to have dinner with one of your favorite drivers. But on the way of meeting one of your favorite drivers, you've obviously got to get a taxi drive there. So there's going to be a taxi driver involved. And whilst you're in the restaurant having dinner, there's one particular driver on the grid. Ah, you're just trying to basically avoid making contact with them at all costs. So essentially, um, Matt, this kind of a spin-off of Snog Mario Avoid, because we're a very PG channel here. But instead, we have Taxi Dinner Avoid. So which F1 driver would you like to have a taxi ride with? Which F1 driver would you want to have dinner with? And which F1 driver would you politely try and avoid? Oh, uh, who would be my taxi driver? Um... Oh, that's an interesting one. I think I would go. Let's go with Lander. Uh, well, that's a difficult one. Well, actually, no, because when I go in a taxi, a lot of the time, because like, a lot of people think that just because I do presenting and everything like that, this that I'm like this most confident guy, blah 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 blah. You know, always loud. I'm actually quite a shy reserved individual so when i'm in a taxi i just kind of i don't mind a bit of silence you know what i mean so sure. it's unfortunate that kimmy Raikkonen's not on the grid because uh <laughs> you know that that would definitely be uh, uh my go-to um oh gosh this is this is difficult you know uh let's go with george russell i feel like he'd be quite to the point he'll be matter of fact he'll get me there on time there's no way george russell's being late there's not a chance so sure. i think george would be a very efficient taxi driver for me um dinner 100 percent would be daniel ricardo that man is hey. a complete and utter, utter legend he is he's more fun off camera than he is on camera and you can just think of how fun he is on camera uh, that man has a heart of gold and I, I will always always support him and i want the best for him and then avoid oh avoid uh who would i avoid hmm. dun, dun, dun. it's That's tricky better. because like i think the problem we have here is like most of the drivers on the grid, they're not that controversial. Like we don't have a Mazepin. Last year. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, it's, it's harsh. It's hard even because I don't think I would. Uh, let's let's go. Let's go with Lance Stroll. I just feel like me yeah. and him wouldn't get on um, because we come from very different lifestyles. <laughs> I just don't think I'll have anything in common with him whatsoever. So let, let's go with Stroll. I think that's a fair choice. And I think, like you mentioned as well, of all the drivers you can think of on the grid, I think with Lance, I always get the impression he's one of those characters which would be hard to kind of get to open up to. But I think if you can like establish some sort of common ground, you might actually be okay. But yeah, when yeah, you've got like the plethora, 
you, of you my personalities. Him, but I think uh, I think he hates media people, so he won't like me. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, man? Maybe you need to get him to tune into more episodes of WTF One, and we could change his mind. Maybe not always had a bad race, and I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest that. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. But actually, whilst we're on the topic of it as well, man, you touched on Daniel Ricardo there, and quite kind of like on the topic of of, of which as well. Ah, oh, it's, 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 it's gutting, you know, to see that he's not going to be with McLaren next season. I think when that news came around initially, like, to be on, on like the beginning of the journey, when we were talking about like him moving from Renault at the time to McLaren, we thought that would be the perfect fit because him and Zach Brown have that kind of buddy-buddy personality with each other. Him and Lando as well obviously have quite a lot of like things in common to a degree, and I will never forget that infamous pubes um, <laughs> interview or kind of like... Uh, yeah, debrief they had as well. Um, but yeah, it hasn't really worked out. And now we're in a situation where we're hoping that, you know, he gets a seat next season. What's your thoughts? And, and generally as well, where would you like to see him go next season? My thoughts are he hasn't been good enough, as much as that hurts me to say out loud. Like, McLaren hasn't worked for whatever reason. You know, every fan can try and strip it back and analyse it to a, a certain degree. The, the, the main thing is that he has not been good enough for that McLaren second seat. What the reasons are, we don't know. You know, there has to be a part of McLaren where they have to think, why didn't it work? And Danny Rick also needs to think that way. Um, he's still a good enough driver. People that are saying that he's finished don't have a clue what they're talking about because he is firstly, obviously, an eight-time F1 race winner. And also, he has done very, very well in other you know, in Red Bull, for example, obviously winning races and, and being a, a reasonably decent teammate compared to Max Verstappen, who we're clearly seeing is, is one of the best we've, we've ever seen. Um, at Renault, he was decent as well. Obviously, he wasn't particularly comfortable at times, but he still showed decent pace and scored some decent results. He then obviously has gone to McLaren. It hasn't worked out. Lando is a brilliant driver. He's there. It's his team. It was always going to be very difficult to overthrow him. I think the expectations were that he was going to. Uh, including myself, I thought he was going to be a much better match for Lando than than he has been. Um, but you, you can't you can't defend him in the sense of you know I'd love to have seen I, I just want to see him in Formula One and you know there, this is where maybe a level of bias is coming where I genuinely just want, think he's great for Formula One. And people go well you know it's the best twenty drivers on the grid. Why well, you can't just have someone that smiles all the time? I'm like, well he's not the twentieth worst driver on the grid. That he's not. There are worse drivers that are still driving in this season. So to say that he doesn't deserve a Formula 1 seat full stop is, is a bit mad, in my opinion. Uh, where do I think he should go? Well, from his from his uh, video he did, basically announcing he wasn't going to drive for McLaren, his, his whole demeanour looked like he hadn't got anything sorted. And maybe he was a little bit uh, on the apprehensive side because there's, there's talk about Gasly, Schumacher maybe taking the Alpine seat. Don't think they should go for Schumacher. If they can get Gasly, I think that'd be a great shout. But then again, Ocon and Gasly apparently don't get on. So there's lots of different storylines going on. But I think Danny Rick deserves to be in Formula One. I think the only seat for him that would make sense is Alpine. Other teams, I'm not sure they would be able to afford what his sort of level is in terms of salary. But does he take a pay cut? There's lots of different questions going on. But I think he would fit very well into Alpine after being there before. He'll know a lot of people that work there. He'll be up against Ocon, who he should be able to match and do pretty well against. And and maybe he can rebuild from there, but he's not getting any younger. 
that's also true you know we, we speak a lot about like age and you know like it's interesting in formula one in one sense that the careers of the drivers are getting much longer which is great you know due to safety and obviously investments in health and well-being but at the same time as well I think just like what we've seen with Alonso, just when you get older, there's always that pressure on you to perform. And in his admissions, he's even said the reason for him basically leaving Alpine was one, due to them not giving him a multi-year contract due to his age. But then also, two, the pressure of always being compared to like Ocon, which I feel I get. And as a team, you always want to make sure that your two drivers are as closely matched as possible. But then on the flip side for him, maybe there's that sense of ego. Maybe there's a sense of, well, I'm a two-time world champion. You know, and Ocon, he's won a race, which again is quite uh, interesting and and kind of thing I I guess people forget with Ocon. But on top of that as well, like Alonso is a lot more declarated in the sort of career that he's had, not only just in Formula One, but also in other series too. So there's so many different facets to it as well. And, you know, like I think as well, Matt, like I think Alpine would be a really great shout for Daniel Ricciardo. I think there's a lot of familiarity there for him as well but then on the flip side too like i don't know i could see him at Haas as well with gunter steiner and k-mac i know that uh, you guys on wtf1 have some awesome k-mac merch as well mm-hmm. so uh, i'll plug that too but um yeah just i think he's sort of guy where because of his personality i know some people don't like that he's not always serious so you know that he can be a bit like of a comedian at times but personally for me like you said i think he adds value to the sport and i think equally not that I think he would, but if he did, if he went to a series like IndyCar, for example, you probably see an increase in the ratings and viewerships of IndyCar, for example, because they really cherish the drivers. And, you know, they're willing to almost give drivers in that series like a second chance, even if things haven't worked out in F1. So it's interesting, you know, and I think it's, it's really good that we, we kind of address that one, too. But to kind of move on to the next question as well, Matt, like um, we, we kind of touched on it earlier too. Like we we're doing like essentially like a, a snapshot of how the championship's going right now in, in relation to that. But how would you rate this championship in comparison to last year's fiery fight between Max and Lewis? What have you made of Max's driving, for example, and his driving standards? Because I think a, lo- a lot of people last year were quite infuriated, triggered, annoyed, um, just with some of Max's like tactics and, and kind of backhanded stuff he would do. But on the flip side, for the balance of the argument, you could say that at the time, Honda and Red Bull didn't know that they were going to absolutely walk the 2022 championship. So you could maybe argue that for those purposes alone, they were always going to try and take as much risks as they could and like try and take away any advantage that Mercedes had as well from either Lewis or just the team generally but with Leclerc we've almost seen like a different a version of Max one that's a bit more kind of like compliant one that you know picks and chooses his battles quite wisely and even if he's not the fastest guy or doesn't have the fastest car on the weekend he's always still there to try and kind of mix up with you know um, the guys and maximize points so how have you seen it so far? Oh, I mean this season has been very different to last year uh, last year was full of absolutely every bit of drama that Drive to Survive could have wished for. Um, I personally loved it. I enjoyed it. I love you know controversy in sport is is what you know generates discussion. And I think obviously some things went well over the line. Uh, Abu Dhabi last year, for example, being one of them. Uh, Saudi again, very questionable what went down, what uh, went down there in terms of decisions and and wanting to make it a a level point finale going into the final race. Um, this year, yeah, it's been a bit. We've had some good races. Um, I think 
uh, we expected a bit more maybe between Verstappen and Leclerc. They've been very, very polite to each other, but they also have raced each other for many, many years. So if anything, they have felt out each other's driving styles many years before even coming into Formula One, whereas Verstappen versus Hamilton, their driving styles clearly don't go very well because Hamilton won't give an inch. Verstappen, oh no, Hamilton does give an inch, but we saw in a lot of incidents that he was willing to risk it kind of thing. Whereas I felt like Leclerc almost this year, you know, he, he was obviously very tactically minded in, in, in Saudi and Bahrain. They were both, it was almost like a game of chess really and a very calm and polite game of chess. Um, so yeah, it's been completely different. I don't think there's much um, that Leclerc would maybe change in his driving style. It's obviously been more that Ferrari have let him down. He's, obviously made a few mistakes as well uh so yeah it's, it's a massive shame that Verstappen's so so far clear because this this championship could have easily gone down to the wire again had Ferrari nailed it um but yeah I, we, we need a bit more controversy they're all a bit too polite with each other and you know a bit of will banging here and there never hurt anybody Absolutely, and we, I think we've seen that with Fernando Alonso and Lewis at the weekend as well. Mm, and whilst mm. as well, Matt, you know, I've got my colleague in here. Not that much real banging. That's quite. That's quite a yeah. Quite a lot. <laughs> you don't want Hamilton going up in the air. Yeah, with like a forty-one G impact as well. Must I yeah, add? But but indeed. But um, whilst we're here as well, we have got my co-host as well, the brilliant F1 Black. Black, I know that you've uh, you just like tapped in as well and you've probably overheard us kind of um assessing just the current state of the championship. Kind of I want to kind of segue you into it as well quite smoothly and ask your thoughts on it before you you um ask Matt some questions too. Yeah, hi Matt. Uh, fantastic to meet you. Uh, and looking forward to having a good discussion. Yeah, definitely nice to meet you too. Brilliant. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. And and in terms of hopefully my audio levels are OK, but in terms of this season, uh, it is a shame that essentially the title's wrapped up and going into the summer break. Um, I think, yeah, Ferrari have thrown things away through a combination of perhaps not being as ruthless as Red Bull on who the number one is. I, I probably suspect they don't have a number one even now. Uh, and also the reliability issues and, of course, the strategy, dreaded strategy. Uh, so, so yeah, I think think it's over. Uh, but that doesn't mean we can't have some interesting races in the second half of the season. And you know, for me, fingers crossed that Lewis maintains his record. Although after Spa, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure quite when we'll put this episode out. Um, so, so Matt, um, I don't know how far um, Dens has got into this, but I was certainly fascinated reading up on you, reading an article I think you wrote for WTF One maybe a year ago about how you started um, in YouTube and, and how you built your career from there. And to go from where you started to uh, where you are now and, and the things you've commentated on and, and the, the columns you've done, et cetera. Um, you know, uh, what do you remember of those early days uh, starting on YouTube? Uh, does it still feel a long, uh, quite soon or, or a long time ago? Well, starting on YouTube full stop or starting on YouTube with WTF1 because <laughs> they're two very different timelines. Yeah. Exactly. Well, starting on YouTube, full stop. Um, oh, as, uh, yeah, that yeah. is a throwback. Yeah, that that's uh, that's sort of 2010 era, which is frighteningly 12 years ago. Um, God, I'm sounding like my my parents now with the you know, throwbacks to <laughs> over 10 years ago to things is, is quite scary. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a hard old slog, really. I mean, it was just, but it was fun. Like there was nothing more to it than me just having a bit of fun and not having a filter and just being 
uh, an idiotic kid with a you know a game capture and and a microphone um i think yeah the very early days you know i used to you know try and capture my um uh, gameplay in, in, in any which way i could um you know i had game captures called Blitzbox HD, which was the biggest pile of crap I've ever used in my entire life. But <laughs> it was something that, you know, that was the only thing that was around sort of those days. I couldn't afford a Hoparg HD PBR, whatever it was called for many, many years um, after that. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was just fun. It was just on the side, never thought anything would come of it, never dreamed of anything coming of it. Uh, until, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, you know, Tommy came into to my messages in, in uh, sort of end of 2016 and uh, wanted to open a discussion up about uh, potentially a, an exciting project coming with WTF1 to do with YouTube and, and things like that. And then, yeah, the process sort of start of 2017. I had a lot of, a lot of interviews, um, had a test podcast. I had a test filming shoot, which was at the uh, Birmingham NEC for the Autosport International show. Um, and you know, the funny thing is, like, I was so used to talking, but in front in a camera, uh, sorry, in a microphone in front of gameplay at home. But this was to be a presenter for a YouTube channel, which is a very different kettle of fish, and something that you know I was absolutely breaking it uh, of that day because everything they told me, all the interviews that I've done, I genuinely thought, oh my god, this is my dream right in front of me is on this plate will i drop the plate i don't know but obviously i was there had the the test shoot didn't have a clue where to put my hands no idea i was i was so rigid it was it was outrageous um but yeah thankfully even even with all the the things that i was yet to learn uh, they could see there was the passion there there was the enthusiasm um, and they were willing to to take me on and and not only just do the presenting, but everything behind the scenes. So everything you see on the YouTube channel, whether it's the the, the scripting or the the content ideas, a lot of it comes through me, obviously through help from Tommy and Katie as well sometimes. But from the beginning, you know, that was my job to, to run the whole thing. So yeah, it was a big old project and so much has been learned over the last five and a half, six years. Yeah, it's incredible. You mentioned that there's kind of a, a kind of a time, a gulf between when you started on YouTube and uh, when you started at WTF One. It's it's probably equidistant between your start completely and and now when you went on to WTF One. So so six years at least as ex Matty G. What what do you think ex Matty G would think about uh, Matt Gallagher, uh, presenter of F One Esports? It'd be like a dream on, mate. There's no way. There, there, there's, that's not happening. You know, wake up, Matt. Jesus, go, go get a real job. That's probably what uh, X Matty G would say. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's weird, weird to to even think about those times and and how it was just very much a bit of fun. Um, you know, shouting at games with with some of my friends, Tim at Mardik Arrow. I mean, I'm so proud of those guys as well for how far they've come um, in the in the industry and. It's, yeah, it's mad to see the the progression of us all. It's taken us in in some so many crazy different uh, journeys. I, I can imagine that it feels like there's almost the hand of fate. At the beginning, you you clearly don't know where it's going to end up, but you've all uh, you know you and, and some of your peers from back then have have kind of gone off in different directions and been been really successful. Yeah, I, I was going to make the joke about not knowing what to do with your hands, but you you made it already. Uh, switching from kind of, as you say, ranting over uh, kind of gaming content to presenting. 
how would how would you say um, your sort of presentation style has evolved over the years? Has it been organic, or have you sought to sort of work on a few things? Oh, it's, it's completely organic. But I think it's all just come from confidence, and that's taken a lot of time uh, to build that camera confidence, to build the fact people are watching you behind a camera or watching at home, or it's live, or you've got lights on you. Things like that, you can't really teach yourself unless you're born with innate confidence, which I absolutely was not. I was bullied the life out of at school. So I had no confidence whatsoever coming out. Um, and you know, it was just incrementally using the, 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 the only bit of fuel I had to try and push myself to do things was the fact that I loved Formula One so much. And even the distinct, no, the, the smallest of possibilities that, that would, this could be my job. Is something that pushed me to go yeah let's go for it oh my god this this could be uh, a once in a lifetime opportunity and it turned out to be that uh, for sure um, but yeah it, it's just taken years and years of building very small blocks of self-belief uh, to eventually get to a point where i go yeah i am good at my job and I, that's not a bad thing to think that uh because you know that it's it's still on the flip side crazy and that this is like the the insecurities of me coming out going yeah but why are you in this position Matt? you're kind of lucky aren't you and you have all these things and uh, you know imposter syndromes going through your head and there's so many things to battle you've got other things like social media and trying to not take that too seriously because that can be such an echo chamber of horrible people piling onto you um so there's so many different bits of learnings that you get you know you get, building up my confidence and learning how to present and all this sort of stuff, but also learning how to deal with people that are going to hate you no matter what. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a long old journey uh, with a lot of ups as you see on the YouTube channel, but uh, I think it's fair to say, and probably right to say that there's you know been some downs too. Well, look, uh, on this show, I tend to try and steal people's intellectual property. And the last comment you made was really fascinating. In fact, I was going to ask about imposter syndrome. But but on the subject of people who are going to hate you no matter what, you know, I think we all experience to some extent, not to your degree um, because of your sort of scale, but to some extent, those haters and those trolls online. What's your sort of tip for, for dealing with it? Do you tune it out or like, what's what's your approach? Um. It's it's got easier as time's gone on. Like the first few times when people have piled onto me, I thought it was the end of the world, basically. Um, to now, where maybe with a bit of age as well, I'm I'm just trying to tune my brain into thinking it does not matter what these people think. It really doesn't, unless there's constructive feedback which you can take from and learn from. If they're just going to insult you, there's really no point in even trying to absorb that or letting it get to you. And, and, you know, sometimes things will get to me, but I can brush it off so much quicker than what I used to. Now, I don't know what that is in terms of a tip. I think when the times get tough towards the beginning and it's almost like a new experience to receive an influx of hate, that will be the time where, one, you obviously get very, um, you will get hurt. Like, it will hurt to see these sorts of stuff flying and you start to question yourself. But then... You also need to kind of reflect and go well is there anything in here that actually makes sense is there anything that you've gone okay fair enough i could have done this slightly differently um so i would just try and take any bits that that are actually helpful and if not they can just get in the bin right it's 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 mm -hmm. as simple as that and you know there's lots of you know, motivational TikToks that you see occasionally which are, which i stumble upon and 
you know, that they'll say about the jealousy that a lot of people have. And, you know, it's easier for these people to try and take down people that they not look up to, but are jealous of and the jealous of their success than, than trying to, to improve their own lives. And unfortunately, that's how some people are. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult one to, to be able to manage for sure. They get the entitlement of some people that sort of, I don't know, they, maybe they've got nothing better to do in their lives, but they, they feel it's incumbent on them to be in the mentions, uh, just saying the most outlandish things out of nowhere, maybe just to get a reaction. And yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a terrible sort of element or aspect of, of life online. Uh, it's a question, final sort of major question before I hand back to, to Dens. Um, do you think at the other end of the spectrum, so you talked about how you kind of determine, look, most of these people, or a lot of these people that are just piling on for hate to get a reaction, they haven't got much constructive to say, I can tune that out eventually. Do you think there's a risk at the other end of the spectrum and, and maybe in the F1 paddock even that you can tune out the fans' voices too much? And, you know, I, you talked a little bit earlier about the end of the 2021 season and we all know what happened in Abu Dhabi. Um, my my perception was that, you know, the F1 paddock almost had a different view of what happened or or had a group um, recollection of, of what happened and, and so on versus what I saw online and, and what I saw in certain fan groups. So do you, do you think there is also a risk of kind of uh, groupthink or, or that you can block out too much? Where do you think you are on that spectrum? I think it's just recognizing where there's an echo chamber and where there's a genuine consensus from people online. I think that is the, the big thing is that, you know, comments on a tweet, for example, can make you feel like loads of people disagree with you or think you're terrible or whatever. But if you actually take a step back and look at the engagement on it, for example, like likes are a very good way of seeing if somebody on the most part agree with you or think that your, your opinion is at least worthy. Um, and you might get 50 comments that say, oh, you're, you're an absolute piece of trash, Matt. You, you, you know nothing. You know no wheel, no wheel knowledge, all this rubbish that you see on Twitter. But then you have 10,000 likes and you go, well, actually, okay, that's, that's probably not everybody hates what I'm saying. It's just these people. Because only, usually, there's not going to be many people that go, I like this tweet, Matt. Good job. But they'll just see it and move on with their day. The people that don't agree with it are the ones that will pipe up. So that's the echo chamber that I think you have to be very wary with, uh, with if you, you know, create your own podcast or whatever. You need to make sure that you don't get drowned out by the negativity because in, in the grand scheme of things, if you've got followers, if you've got people that tune into your podcast, et cetera, they're there for a reason. Um, but no, I don't think I'm tuned out because I think that the main thing is our tagline is we're fans making content for other Formula One fans. That's the key thing for us. And we're, I feel like we are quite in tune with that, especially, for example, 2021 Abu Dhabi was not afraid to say that it was an absolute farce, uh, what they did. I don't think Verstappen deserved any hate whatsoever. And I think people that say that he's an, an undeserving world champion or that he had anything to do with what went on is, is crazy. And if anything, the bias from fans who are so hardcore for one driver or another are the, are the problem, not the potentially, like, for example, me commenting on it like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very uh, interesting debate for sure but we have to make sure that we are keeping in line with the fans and and kind of know what what's what and we do a lot of polls we try and get a lot of people involved in terms of commenting and uh, shouting people out for or asking questions in our podcast for example we try and keep uh, our ear to the ground with with the f1 fans for sure because at the end of the day they're the ones that keep us going 
And um, yeah, I think looking at the end of last season, your point about, you know, perhaps there were people on either side that were, you know, running off of pure emotion. I, for me, I looked at it quite rationally. It looked just quite directly that the rules weren't followed or, and then that decision was ratified or precedent wasn't followed. I don't need to prove that, you know, it was because of hatred towards Lewis Hamilton from the FIA. I don't know if that's the case. I don't, frankly, I don't care. Equally, I don't need to try and say that Max was behind the scenes, uh, you know, making it happen. Of course he wasn't. He was racing his race. Um, and you can think what you like about Max, but, um, you know, clearly he had the chance to overtake and he did it. I personally think his style of racing is perhaps too aggressive, but, um, you know, he, he, he won that race. Uh, the rules weren't followed, but he won that race and he won the championship. That's the beauty of the sport. That's the beauty of the sport, isn't it? To have that opinion of, well, I think his uh, driving style is too aggressive. Someone else will go, well, actually, that's how you win world championships. And and neither of you are right, because there is no definitive answer. And that's the beauty of Formula One. Well, that's the subjective bit. but uh, And that's the fun, and that's us having a conversation. But I think ultimately, when it comes down to things like, you know, the end of last season, you don't need to be too subjective uh, on on that. I mean, so talking about F1 rivalries, and and I shudder to think what, uh, you know, Prof Senna might have been if we had uh, Twitter back then with the translate feature between our French and Brazilian <laughs> friends. Um, look, you imagine a scenario, quick question, imagine a scenario, you, you have um, uh, a budget from Netflix and uh, you can make a documentary about any F1 rivalry. You talked about being a fan of the sport. Uh, which drivers uh, would you choose? And uh, tell us a bit about why you think that rivalry is special to you. Oh, which rivalry? Oh, Schumacher and Hakkinen, uh, mainly because I'm a massive Schumi fanboy and I'd love to deep dive into that a little bit more and um, find out what went on behind the scenes. But um, I'd also love to get a bit of a behind the scenes of the uh, 2016 Hamilton versus Rosberg um, shenanigans that went on because that was uh, spicy to say the least. And I'd love to love to be in uh, Love to have had Toto Wolf in particular mic'd up and and things like that. So those are probably the two that come to come to mind straight away. Fascinating, Toto Wolf and and probably Nicky Lauda as well. Just hearing mm. how they talked each other down after Spain, after Austria, uh, and throughout the rest of the season. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Well, look, I'll hand back to Denz. It's been fascinating so far, and looking forward to hearing your answers to Denz's questions as well. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. Hey, well, I'm back in and I think some really awesome questions there from F1 Black as well. He's the brilliant F1 Black, as we call him here on the show. And Matt, you know, just to go through some more questions as well with you, man, like uh, another kind of awesome thing that I don't think we've fully gone into detail with just yet as well is like the commentating you do for the esports series, like and actually the official F1 esports competition as well with, you know, the likes of Yana Opmer, Brendan Lee, James Blakely. There's been so many awesome drivers, you know, that have uh, gone through the ranks and compete in like basically what is the F1 official esports competition and you do a lot of the commentating for that as well in relation to that Matt like how did the opportunity come about firstly of all because I know that the kind of esports thing it was always there but then because of the pandemic it really seemed to have blown up with a lot of the real life f1 drivers also having a kind of like role in it at some varying degrees and on top of that like how do you find it like narrating or commenting over a live esports race too with the kind of depth of personalities you have there as well how did it come about 2017 i think was actually my first 
esports uh, experience. So again, I've been doing it for quite some time. Um, I can't remember exactly how it came through, but Gfinity, who are the ones that essentially manage and produce uh, the F1 esports show, they, I think, well, I've been kind of putting out little fishing rod baits of, oh, I'd love to do the esports. Oh, if, ever, if there was ever F1 esports, I'd love to commentate on it. Just kind of trying to make, if anyone that was had any kind of link to the show saw it, they might put me down on a very long list. It was it was always very kind of a, a big stretch. Um, but yeah, I remember I think Gfinity got us uh, to come in and or got me to come in and, and basically chat with them and and find out because they were looking to fill the roster of of um, people on the show in terms of yeah from the production side. And um, again, I think it it helped because I was just uh, just so passionate about what I'd obviously done before and I loved playing at the F1 games. I used to play in leagues back in, you know, 2013 and, you know, I used to be pretty good uh, on the controller. I wouldn't have anywhere near, I wouldn't be anywhere near these, these guys now. Um, but yeah, so I, I just kind of went in, chat with them. It was, uh, yeah, I think it was quite a short discussion really where they just saw how, how passionate and enthusiastic I was for, for getting involved in the show and, and that was it. And then they got me on, um, well, originally, I think, I think I was on the touch screen to begin with. Then I moved to the desk as uh, sort of the, yeah, the, the not, not Tom Deacon, who's the host, but sort of like a, an analyst on there. Uh, and then, and then I got moved to commentary, um, which was uh, what a couple of years ago now and alongside Alex Jakes, which is a complete privilege. I love the guy, uh, Alex, who I'd consider a, a, a good friend. He's, um, he's obviously the channel Four formula one commentator now, and he's brilliant. I do not rate anybody higher than, than Alex Jakes in the current commentator market. Um, and I want him to do so unbelievably well. And I think, you know, he'll be the, the, the sky sports leader at some point in his, in his career. Um, but yeah, so it's I've done a bit of everything really. Uh, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm the host of the uh, F1 esports qualifying show as well, which um, is what was my first ever live presenting gig to that level. Obviously, I've done live stuff on YouTube and stuff, but never proper full blown production thing. So that was that was really special. Um, actually, hosting a show and and being able to you know bounce off the guests and and, and things like that and. Yeah, really cool. Like having an earpiece in my ear and getting fed information and then having to digest that information whilst also listening to someone else talking. That's something I have not mastered and probably will never master in the, in, in, until I, the day I die, to be honest with you. It's the, most, it's the craziest <laughs> thing to have to do. Um, but but yeah, I, I absolutely adore being on the F1 Esports show. Genuinely, it is such fun. And um, yeah, uh, I, I want to do many, many more years of it. That's so exciting to hear, man. And as well as that, you know, it was so intriguing to kind of hear how, like, you know, you evolved. But I was going to say as well, man, it's just like so interesting as well just to see how your uh, presenting style has evolved over the years as well, obviously, with the esports F1 stuff. And actually, for me, being kind of like, you know, a casual sim racer too, I think I think I was very keen to kind of ascertain from you and our fans as well, keen to learn from you as well is, you know, you get access a lot, you know, the esports drivers, the Yano Obmeers, the Brendan Lees and the guys like this. 
how much effort and how much training really goes in, you know, to them preparing for these races? Because there's so much at stake, you know, and a lot of them as well, actually factory drivers, you know, for like either real F1 teams, such as Jana Obmeyer for Mercedes, Brendan Lee's had a stint with Ferrari. It's a lot of pressure, you know, and I think when people look at esports, the much older generation or the not, they're not so savvy, they tend to kind of just see it as just like, you know, big kids kind of playing video games. But now these days, it's so competitive. Could you kind of touch into like, you know, behind the scenes, how competitive it is and, you know, probably the amount of time an esports driver has to spend just to prepare for some of these uh, races? Yeah, I don't know their schedules off by heart or know a huge amount. Obviously, they do a lot of Twitch streaming these days. So you can see behind the scenes there, really, and get a live um, version of, of what they're up to, whether they're having some fun on the career mode or if they're doing time trial. They're always practicing. Um, I think, especially on the run up to a new season they'll be practicing at least eight hours a day like a full-time job really because that's what they're paid to do and that's what the teams expect but there's also the level of mental preparation and physical preparation which is very similar i'm sure if you're with a, a big a big outfit like mercedes or ferrari but they've got it in place for their drivers and they will get their esports drivers to to do very similar things because they know that performance can be enhanced not just purely from practicing but also with how you prepare yourself um so yeah they take it very very seriously there's a lot of money on the line every year um i can't remember exactly what it was i think it was three quarters of a million maybe is the price I'm, i might be i might have overdone that but i'm not sure maybe half a million anyway it's a lot of money that's what i'm getting at and uh the teams want to win because well they can take a bit of that cash for themselves i'm sure uh, but also it's a, a great prestigious thing to be to be winning something that's uh, officially uh, a formula one esports championship absolutely and it's just interesting as well matt just to see like the evolution because again you know a lot of the esports guys get like the hero kind of credits and whatnot but it, like i guess for all of us we all would have started off just you know as casual kind of like players and you know growing up as well and watching you know like i mentioned earlier you with the x matty g series and like um i think one of the kind of series you were doing as well the rage series has to be like quintessentially one of the best series out there like it's amazing and i hope one day you bring that back and revive it in some other guys but also mac like we've talked about you meeting kind of like esports drivers and obviously being part of the kind of like um the competitive side of that too but you've had the opportunity also to meet real life f1 drivers as well and competing in the actual real championship and you know like different kind of drivers are in different parts of their careers too most recently sebastian vettel which i thought was a really heartwarming one too but like could you give us kind of insight into that as well who's like your favorite driver to like meet in person and what was your kind of funniest moment with them as well like on or off camera mm, uh well you probably no surprise that it'll be daniel ricardo is my answer for that after uh, what i answered for the uh, the dinner thing but um yeah, he's he. he I, I, we've been lucky enough to to film with him a few times uh, through various branded um, sponsorship op opportunities, um, and yeah, he's just he's amazing. Genuinely, uh, so fun to to be around. We would usually we'll get fifteen minutes with the driver, twenty minutes if we're lucky. Uh, the Vettel one was quite cool because we got the tearing around the inside Silverstone track, not Silverstone, but there's like the inner uh, Stow track. I think it's called Stow Circuit. Um, so we had the opportunity to do that and then also have a sit down 20 minute interview, I think, with him as well. Uh, so that was really cool. The Vettel thing was was awesome. He was genuinely so interested about 
what we're doing and how we're doing it. it makes more sense now that he's uh, announced his retirement, why he had so much interest in it. Uh, but um, it's, <laughs> it was, it's, it's really cool. And again, I have to kind of pinch myself every time I do something like that because um, I know a lot of people would be would, would love that opportunity and I, I try not to take it for granted whatsoever. Um, so yeah, Vettel, I had met him a few years ago, to be fair, when he was with Ferrari, we did a, a shell thing in, in America where I, I hosted this, this show where it was, yeah, it was very strange. We were like top golf and Vettel was hitting balls. And then we went to a shell forecourt and it was him, Joey Logano and Joseph Newgarden. So it hit all three, um, big, big motorsport series. Um, but yeah, a, a favorite moment. Oh, geez. I there's so many that I just sort of, it all just kind of merges into one, to be honest. I think one of my favorite moments was, was being uh, torn around uh, Monaco by Nico Hulkenberg in a, a brand new RS McGann that we were the only media in the world to get that opportunity. And not just that, it was, it was just before I think FP1. So the crowd was there and we're just tearing around in this camoed R RS McGann and uh i was just sat in the passenger seat like what am, why am i here why am i in this seat what's going on this makes no sense um but yeah i think that's that's what people like to see is my just genuine bewilderment as to, to how I'd, I'd fallen into uh this particular job but um if i if i think of any other specific moments i will i will bring it up Oh, we'd love to hear it, Matt. And honestly, as well, like just even from like a fan like me, just like it's just awesome just watching you there in these moments as well. And like you said, being bewildered by the experience too. Because mm. I sit there and say, like, "Oh my god, if that was me, I'd probably be exactly the same as Matt." So I, I find myself often kind of like feeling like I'm living vicariously through you, which is awesome. I kind of on the topic of that as well. I'm gonna do another interactive question before I hand over the rest of the show to F1 Black. Um, so I'm set the scene again and. And the scenario is this, man. Ferrari, they're not so happy with the big boy, Matteo Bonotto. And sadly, they have made him part way. He's banished like um, Arriva Benny. And there's a new team principal. His name is Matt Gallagher. The awesome Matt Gallagher. You know, so you're the team principal, man. And essentially, Ferrari tell you on the first day, they want you to pick some other content creators to be the head of Ferrari's social media which is going to be a very interesting and tasking job in itself. Uh, you've got to pick another content creator to be head of technical. And then you can pick any content creator, it's anybody you know, um, just to shout them out as well, if you wish, to be a mentor slash driver performance coach to both Charles and Carlos. Because, you know, being a Ferrari driver is hard. And there are times where even if you do your job perfectly, there'll be a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, or plan E, which could go against you. So somebody there to kind of like pick them up. So free rolls, Matt, just to go again, head of social media head of technical and like a driver mentor performance coach ish type person too who would you pick in the world of content creators head of social media i'm i'm calling tommy bellingham a content creator because i mean he's verified on twitter and i'm not so that must mean something 
Um, so yeah, I think hold I'll on, hold it. on, hold on there, Matt. Why? <laughs> no, nah, we we need to make a petition as soon as this episode's done to get your blue tick. I don't know. Matt. I think I think I might be the second most followed Twitter account that hasn't been verified behind God Himself. You know, the uh, the God account that's like tweeted God or something. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That's a, a fact I made up. But I, I it's um, yeah. I don't know. I've I've tried and I've just given up. So it doesn't matter. Like a tick changes absolutely nothing. Um, if anything, I think the cool people don't have ticks, really. So, uh, yeah, so if you're listening, Tommy, you're not cool. But um, I would go with, uh, yeah, Tommy for head of social media because, well, I mean, he does social media anyway for us. So he's, uh, yeah, he's king of that. Um, head of, what was it, strategy, did you say? Oh, no. Um, yeah, strategy, technical. Technical. Uh, probably Arif because I know that he's done uh, quite a bit of uh, aerospace engineering or whatever you want to call it. So he's very aerodynamically sound so i would say probably put him in that position and performance coach um let's go with let's go with tomo i think tomo's uh yeah he'll uh he'll, he'll give it to him straight but i feel like he'll also be someone you can uh you can talk to so yeah we'll go with tomo I think great choices, a good kind of like variety of personalities, you know, and again, like Arava as well, shout out to him as well, because like, I remember watching kind of him as well with his career modes and alternative universes. And he was the one doing like driver transfers and F1 games before that was even a thing. Yeah. You know? So shout yeah, out to him as that. well. Exactly. And then, yeah, Tomo as well, you know, I think we're kind of in a similar space to him kind of in terms of the content creation. And again, really sound lad, you know, I haven't like had any engagements with him personally, but a lot of our mutual friends have. And, you know, he's one of those awesome content creators that has such a unique and like authentic way of putting things across. And I think even if you're talking about like a driver, coach, mentor type kind of personality, like you said, he's very honest, but at the same time as well, he's got the empathy and that kind of like ability as well so i definitely agree with your choices there uh matt good choices and what i'll do is i will hand over to mr black brilliant so we're in the start finish straight uh matt you'll be relieved to hear um i've got this questions and then we'll end off with some more relaxed ones so matt um we've talked a bit about your journey uh so far and it's been really fascinating to hear x matthew g evolving into wtf1 and all the sort of uh, shenanigans you've gotten up to with uh, esports drivers and F1 drivers, and you describe yourself as a bewildered fan. What next for Matt Gallagher? And, and do you have any dreams that you're aspiring towards in the in the future? What next is a big question. Um, I think the key for me is doing what I love, and the stuff that I do on WTF One, the stuff, uh, the the moments I get to share with with the viewers, um, like I love pretty much every aspect of my job when it comes to content creation and things like that. I'd, I'd love to go to more races. I'd love to be able to, you know, not, not, I don't want to go anywhere near the full calendar, but I think it'd be nice to, to go to a few more events here and there. Um, my girlfriend, Soph, she's a massive Formula One fan as well. So I'd love to be able to, to incorporate her love for Formula One with mine and maybe do a bit more content with her in, in the future and, and stuff like that. But I, I would say that nothing, nothing set in stone in terms of what I'm, I want to do next right now. I'm, I'm loving doing what I'm doing. Um, and I don't really want to stray away from, from the stuff that, that we make. And as long as we are doing what, um, people kind of want us to do and 
the results make sense and you know we're not if we go in the opposite direction in terms of views and stuff we'll know we're doing something wrong or maybe have to change things up but right now uh, I th i'd say we're in a really good spot and as long as i'm and i think the key thing is as long as i'm enjoying what i'm putting out and i believe in it and i don't watch a video back and go god that is a that is rubbish matt what are you doing uh then i know that i'm in i'm in the right sort of area i always want to be in formula one uh, that i will cling on to formula one for as long as i possibly can because there's no other there's no other hobby there's no other passion i have like it really um so yeah who knows but i think that's an exciting thing you just have to stay with the times know what's trending what's what's good will we get a new youtube one day will things change another sort of way because uh, obviously when youtube came around it changed the game in terms of uh, video consumption and pretty much killed tv in a lot of ways um so yeah it's exciting who knows brilliant and you, you mentioned youtube there and how that changed the game uh and so transporting yourself back as ex matty g uh when you were starting out what what advice would you have for kind of younger content creators today uh that see you as an inspiration or, or someone they'd like to emulate what, what advice would you have God, seeing me as an inspiration frightens me uh massively but um, <laughs> uh what would i say in terms of advice i think you've just got to do what you love find the passion that you have and just chase after it for me it's formula one i didn't get any results for many many years and even when i finished with my you know my first channel it was by no means a flat out success and I can just hang up my racing boots and that's it. Wow. What a, what a, what a journey. No, it was me managing a full-time job and also making content on my personal channel for fun. And it took a long old slog and even not really knowing where I was going for something to fall in my lap, which I which granted doesn't come around very often. And I was very fortunate for, for it to arrive, but at the same time, I put myself out there. And I didn't know this opportunity was going to come up with WTF1. But the fact that I was on YouTube, I was passionate. I loved what I did and I shared it with people. That's that's probably going to be enough if the opportunity comes around. So, for example, not many people know that when I first started out with my YouTube channel, I was trying desperately to get 100 subscribers. So I was all over Formula One forums and F1 game forums and league forums and everywhere I could possibly go to share to get two people to watch my video. And if you have that motivation, then you know you're on the right path. And it is a grind. It's not going to be overnight success. And I think some people can get a little bit carried away with that if they see some people growing at a massive rate. It always starts somewhere off camera and it's a lot harder than people think. But if you love it enough, you'll be willing to put the effort in. Yeah, there's an expression uh, that I've heard more and more. It's like the 10 year overnight success story. So the tip of the iceberg, you see someone getting that success. They've worked their way into that position um, for many years. Thanks for that. Um, I've got two slightly more trivial questions, which I hope you'll enjoy. Um, the first is a sort of either or. So let's say, um, you know, you're a, a successful um, Red Bull junior driver. And you can see there's loads of them in Formula 3. It's quite difficult to follow. Uh, Formula 2, sorry. It's quite difficult to follow who's who sometimes. Um, but let's say you make it to F1. Uh, which would you rather do and which would you avoid? Um, having a stern lecture from Helmut Marko or getting a shoey 
uh, from Danny Ricardo and having to drink it on the podium? I mean, I would voluntarily do a shoey out of Danny Rick's <laughs> shoes. So I think that kind of answers the question. And I think any any other option that you had for that uh, helmet marker, I'm choosing helmet marker as the avoid. Like, that man is just, I mean, another kind of human being, really. Um, so no, I would I would steer clear as much as I possibly could. Okay, well, um, we may not see you presenting any Red Bull promotional videos any anytime soon. <laughs> so, so, so we're here for the main event question, the one we ask everyone. We asked Mario Andretti. Uh, we've we've asked many people this. Um, I'm about to go out for dinner. Um, I might find an Italian. Um, I'm going to have some pizza. Uh, let's say you're having a pizza. Um, pineapple on pizza or or not? Oh yes. Get that pineapple all over my pizza. My God, Hawaiian is just the one. And, you know, people might then also say barbecue sauce on pizza is terrible. No, stick that on, or not with the Hawaiian, but like that as well. Oh, my God, sign me up. It's either Hawaiian or a barbecue chicken, peppers. Oh, my days. I'm hungry now. It's like, yeah, it's past dinner time. So uh, you've got you've got me salivating now. <laughs> yeah, you're probably going to have a salad or something for dinner. I don't know. But um, yeah, like we've had some very thoughtful answers. We've had some absolute ones. So Mario Andretti was a hell no. Of course uh, he was. My, yeah, of course, the Italian descent. Uh, Miles Rowe, who's we hope about to clinch the, uh, or by the time you hear this, has clinched the USF 2000 championship over in the States. Gave yeah. a very sort of thoughtful answer about your freedom to choose, which was I, I found very entertaining. But that's, that's very probably gave us the most that's very exactly, isn't it? Yeah, that's well, not an answer, is it? He, you know what I mean? he said no for him. He said no for him. So he gave us an answer. Are you allowed to choose? Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I don't think anyone's been as enthusiastic about pineapples uh, on oh this my show. God, so I love a pineapple. You certainly win that one. <laughs> now, now, now you want some pineapple for dinner. Uh, let me hand to Dead to see if he's got anything else. Uh, and Dead, perhaps you could wrap and, and take us home. Oh, well, you know, it's just been interesting to kind of hear that as well. Because, yeah, just, um, you know, like pineapple and pizza is such a divisive question. I feel people are either on one side or the other. So I'm glad that the camp of people that are saying, yeah, has increased with Matt Gallagher's influence here. It's I'm at the helm. I am the pineapple leader when it, when it comes to <laughs> <pizza>. <laughs> We love to see it. We love to see it, man. Well, um, thing, I think... Unfortunately for me, um, Black did actually ask all the, um, the the nice questions I wanted to ask. Nay. But uh, no, I mean, just one other question that came into the back of my head as well, man, is that, you know, like there's a lot of awesome WTF1 content we've seen over the years. Recently as well, I tuned into one where I think you and Tommy were doing like a leaderboard of just like where you rank the drivers in like, you know, 20th all the way to first on top of their performances, you know, and you and Tommy agreed on a lot of drivers and like there was some where you're like, nah, why is Vettel here and Alban all the way up here, etc., etc. But there's some like the topic of it as well, Matt. What would you say is the trickiest or like the most difficult video you've ever had to make for like the channel or the platform? Oh, the most difficult video. Um... Hmm. There's not. Everyone goes. Oh, what's your? You know, your the most favourite. What's your your number one video? No one's ever said what the most difficult one is. There's been so many videos. Obviously, there are there are times where some videos are incredibly difficult and time restrictive, and um, you know, there's a lot of pressure if it's especially if it's like a branded piece of content and a you know a company is paying for this and you need to make sure that X, Y, and Z is filmed within blah blah blah. Um. 
I would say there's there's been logistical stuff like that, but I, I wouldn't say there's there's one that I go, oh my god, yeah, that was you know that was horrendous. Um, yeah, that's a difficult one to pinpoint. I think it's just because I love my job so much that it's quite difficult to say what one was the hardest uh, because I just love every single video that goes out. Have you not have you not realised they're all great, right? Go watch. <laughs> Joking. No, but I think I think that's a fair comment as well, Matt. You know, and that's the thing too. Like, I guess the nature of the content that WTF One puts out as well—it's informative, it's engaging, but it's nothing which is gonna like. Well, at least for reasonable people, anyway. I can't chat for the unreasonable people or the trolls out there, but you know, it's it's amazing. You know, it always leaves you with something to think about or more food for thought. So I always see it that way too. But then, okay, let's flip it on the positive side. Then, what would you say is like your favorite video or the one you enjoyed making the most? Driving the F1 car by a country Ooh. mile. By that, I mean, there will be no memory that, that that tops it. No children, no wedding will ever be able to top me driving an F1 car. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> in relation to that as well, Matt, like, um, for those who haven't seen it, because I haven't even seen that, that's like mega. Like, what you haven't seen it? it? What you, you've done all this research into like the the cobwebs of my personal first channel. Uh, and yet you don't know I'm doing an F1 car. What is this? Man, <laughs> I'll add so it to Matt, my agenda list now. On the 7th of October 2004, you were actually spotted at Azizi, and but you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I was nine, okay? <laughs> You're not nine now. True. <laughs> <laughs> How did that come about? You know, what car was it? Uh, well, uh, um, it was a, well, it was technically the Lotus 2012 car. So Kimi Raikkonen's Ooh. winning car from Abu Dhabi, maybe one, um, maybe one or two others in that season. Um, you'll be going and watching this, aren't you, when you after this podcast? Uh, but um, it was, yeah, it came about literally in the first month, two months of us launching the YouTube channel. Um, and it, it, it's a funny story, really, because I received an email that was uh, from this agency and it was a French agency. So it was actually reasonably broken English and it was quite difficult to really ascertain what was going on. But it was like, oh, we're doing this competition and we're... Uh, we want like a media person to come along and document it all. And it's going to be broken down into fitness, driving some sports car slash uh, the ridiculous supercar that Renault have called the RS01. And then finally at the bottom of the email, after three or four paragraphs of big jargon, the final line was, Oh, and you, by the way, you'll be able to drive the, the, uh, the, the RS, whatever they called it, uh, the formula one car. And I was like, what do you mean? Why are you putting that at the bottom of the email? Um, <laughs> you know, if you're trying to capture my attention, you probably want to put that in the headline and the first line of, of saying, hi, Matt, would you like to drive an F1 car? But instead, they put it right at the bottom. I thought it was spam, but I replied anyway, because, I mean, look, if anyone says you, can drive, you want to drive an F1 car, I'm going to respond. So uh, I was like, oh, yeah, it sounds interesting. Good to... It turns out to be real. The whole thing is real, and it's Renault, and it's the French agency, and all of a sudden this whole thing just gets plonked on our laps far before we're even ready. Like my arms are still rigid from the test sheet. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I'm not ready to do any kind of good presenting at this point. But, um, but yeah, so it was an absolutely ridiculous experience. It was, as I say, I think it was broken down into two days. So the first day was 
uh, the physical training where, I mean, you'll enjoy watching that because I, I almost died. Uh, people <laughs> love love to see my pain. Um, the, the, the memeable bit is that I only managed to do one pull-up, but my defence is that I went through th for the wrong grip. I went for the tricep pull-up rather than the bicep pull-up. If I'd done the bicep ah. pull-up, I would have been able to do one and a half probably. But um, <laughs> ever since then, I've all, I literally every time I go to the gym, I'm literally I'm, I'm doing pull ups just in case it ever comes up again, just so I can um, shut down the meme. Um, but yeah, so so that happened, uh, which was done in like the Renault gym where all the drivers uh, uh, usually train. And then um, after that, yeah, so then it was uh, at Silverstone. So the next day was at Silverstone, drove some sports cars and stuff like that. And then. I, don't, I think maybe it was three days actually it was broken up into, but either or. Then the final day was me driving a Formula Ford to like basically acclimatise myself a little bit with half the half of Silverstone track that I'll be driving, and then the Formula One car, um, which I mean, just seeing it in the garage, I was like, what the hell? Am I am I going to go it like the, the things that were going through my mind as a Formula One fan to the level that I am was just obscene I was, I was like no way it's not going to happen anyway so nika holkenberg was there on the day so he took the car out beforehand and he obviously ragged it round and i'm like what is it's the fastest thing ever like you you, you buy the pit wall you've seen it fly past scare scaring the life out of me just seeing it go past i'm thinking uh, am, I, am i am i ready for this is my formula one game experience going to be enough um <laughs> so anyway yeah and then eventually the time comes round. but the the thing is after all of that, we got I got to standing basically next to the Formula One car, and then they started packing away. And I'm looking around, I'm going, do they do they not know? So all the team are packing away the car. And for these three days or however long it was, I've been geeing myself up to drive this Formula One car and they're putting it away. And I was like, oh my God, this is the end of the world. So anyway, like conversations being had and they're like, oh no, we never knew about this. And I'm like, what do you mean you never knew about this? Was this spam after all? Was the email real? Do they even know I'm here? Um, but anyway, eventually they, they stopped and were like, okay, yeah, no worries. You can have two laps or something. And I was like, oh my God. Then my dream was crumbling before me. I was like, well, if this doesn't happen, I'm that's it. I'm I'm never stepping foot outside again. And um, yes, yeah, so then I got in the car, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. Wow, that's I definitely need to check it up afterwards. So that's I go into my watch list on YouTube. But also, Matt, that's just <laughs> incredible. It's like a dream coming true. And like you know, I mentioned earlier, just like living vicariously through some of the experiences you've had and. That's just a huge one as well, being able to drive an actual official F1 car by Kimi, which is also very cool. But then also like the kind of like swings and roundabouts, almost having the opportunity, then it not almost being there and then actually getting to do it. That's like one of the most fulfilling things as well. And to be honest, I couldn't think of somebody that's more worthy and more deserving of an opportunity. Oh, don't be like silly. This. There's plenty more worthy people out there. I just was lucky enough to get the French agency message me. <laughs> Uh, no, and the thing though, the thing was as well, which I forgot to mention, they messaged me not knowing I'd moved to WTF1. So that was an ex Matty G opportunity. And I'm like, wow. that's when I know they haven't done their research, when they were they were approaching me, when they were bigger YouTubers out there. Yeah, I completely forgot that that was actually not even going to be for WTF1. Um, well, he yeah. got me at, um, you got me at uh, no wedding and kids can top it. And I was like, okay, 
there's a whole story now. I'm just being, I'm just being full blown honest here. You know what I mean? Like, when I pressed that accelerator, I left half my soul where I pressed the accelerator because it was the fastest thing in the world. Like you'll see my head every time I gear shift. Like it basically dislocates every time because it's so so much G force. Um, and the thing they were really angry with me as well because they limited it. So they limited the car to 164 miles an hour. I know that's slow, and um, that was the top of the gear. Um, one, you see, I don't, I'm not sure if you see it in the video. I think you do, but you see me try and upshift. So my brain are going 164 miles an hour. Thought, yeah, I need to upshift another gear here, rather than thinking I should probably start slowing down for the corner that's coming up. I wanted to go faster, which didn't make any sense um, at the time. <laughs> I was. Yeah, I needed to change my underwear afterwards. But yeah, I, I just remember that day like it was yesterday. Like the whole thing was just incredible. Um, I remember how hot it was and everything. I was like, Matt, you will absorb every second of this because it will never happen again. This will be the only time, probably, that I will enjoy more than my wedding or having children. Oh my god! Well, <laughs> I don't know what the missus will say, but at least from my perspective, Matt, like that is. I've said it to her before. She knows it's fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, on that bombshell, Matt, it's been an absolute honor to have you on the episode today, man. And I really hope as well that we can get you back. Hopefully, later on in the season, you know, as things progress, you know, we might end up having to just make Formula B or Formula kind of like plan h whatever they want to call it with what's going on in the world right now but again just amazing it's almost like coming full circle to actually meet you kind of virtually on this podcast but just generally as well to speak to you and to reminisce about some of those things as well so before we go matt any final words from for you your adoring fans around the world as well anything you want to say to them oh god this feels weird because usually i drop to Tommy and Katie, final thoughts, but you've just dropped a final thoughts on me on the podcast. This is <laughs> this is a new experience. Um, but no, well, firstly, thanks so much for, for having me on. It's been a really enjoyable podcast, genuinely. Like you've, you've done your research, apart from the fact I drove an F1 car, but I'll let it slide. Um, but no, it's been it's been really nice. Um, and I wish you guys all the success uh, continuing on and and just yeah, send me a message at the end of the season or whatever, and I'll, I'd be happy to come back on. And as for apparently, I have fans, but um, thank you for allowing me to to do this because um, if not, I yeah, I, I don't know what I'd do. Um, and sometimes I put soppy posts out on Twitter and things like that because. You know, some people might be saying, oh, you know, what, what is it? But genuinely, I'm, sometimes I just sit in bed and I watch some videos and I go, that's me. What? Is, how? How did I manage this? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm ever so thankful uh, to, to everyone, uh, to you guys for bringing me on the podcast as well. Uh, because, yeah, uh, I, this is just a dream and hopefully I never wake up. Oh, I could imagine that and honestly like I said before and I've consistently said as well man keep up the amazing work super proud of you Tommy KE the entire WTF1 team as well you guys are amazing and really the trendsetters like I guess oh no I guess I know you know in this field as well like it's amazing just how you guys have transformed the way that fans like ourselves enjoy the content and there's always something that we can engage with and look forward to so it's amazing and also guys this is like the final episode 
of the summer series shutdown we've done i think 10 episodes with like guests some of which you didn't know about before but now you know and i think it's amazing that we were able to conclude this particular series with the legendary matt gallagher so make sure that you know you follow him if you don't already follow him because that in itself is treason <laughs> make sure as well that you check out the f1 video of him driving an f1 car because i need to see that too and uh, yeah just make sure you check out wtf1 if you're not already again amazing platform and i guess pretty much the blueprint for us as content creators and obviously as well show us some love too you know we need some love so yeah just make sure that you tune in with me uh mr black himself georgina the amazing founder of this podcast and again super thanks to matt as well until next time guys it's been your boy amg dens the modern day morgan freeman until next time peace